It's finally over. 16 days since their last win. Miami can finally breathe again after a hard-fought victory versus the Kings on Wednesday night at the Kaseya Center. Monster games from Jimmy Butler and Josh Richardson. 48 minutes of high energy and total effort. It was everything a Heat game should be. What did Miami do differently that led to the win? We'll break it all down in today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are locked on Heat. Your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor at allyoucanheat.com. Joining me as always, longtime NBA reporter David Ramil. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash NBA and use the code all lowercase NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. The losing streak is snapped. The Heat win their first game since January 15th, beating the Kings on Wednesday night, 115 to 106. Some stats for you from this one. 38 assists on 42 made field goals. 31 points for Jimmy Butler. It's the first time he's scored 20 plus in three straight games since mid-November. The Heat shot 50% overall. 46.4% from three. The Kings, they shot 44% overall, but only 30% from three. Where do you want to start with this one, David? I just think it was a, such a relief for this team. And, you know, maybe that's cutting all the way to the end already. No spoilers. But, you know, the team was just so relieved. And we talked about this. And I and I had a sense that once they got their first victory, it would be kind of like the breaking of the ice and remembering, oh, yes, we can win games. But I just liked the energy from this team because despite the seven-game losing streak, it didn't feel like that at any point today. Miami came out with a greater sense of purpose than they had during many of the games during the streak, but they didn't seem like they were beaten anyway. They were energized from the opening tip. They had a nice lead in the first half. And when Sacramento clawed their way back and took a lead of their own, Miami didn't falter. This was, this is a very good Kings team. And maybe a lot of people don't know this, but the heat broadcast certainly highlighted that DeMontis Sabonis is playing at an all NBA level. They've got Keegan Murray, who torched them tonight. They've got De'Aaron Fox, who struggled, but he's still a dangerous weapon on the floor. Miami took all those challenges and responded like a championship. And, and maybe, again, that's kind of so uh, strange to even mention championship and, and, and championship mentality with this team that has struggled so much over the last seven games. But I really liked the way that Miami took that challenge on and responded with a good comeback of their own and were able to just build a lead late in the game. And even when Sacramento didn't die, they were on the road. They could have just as easily given up, but they kept coming back. Miami responded, yep. held their own, and came away with a victory. Just a fantastic night for the Heat. Tyler Hero mentioned at the end of the game that uh, it wasn't even a first quarter thing. He was asked point blank. He's like, did you feel a difference after yesterday's film session and you right. came out with more energy and urgency? Did you, did you feel a difference in that first quarter when you stepped on the court? And he goes, honestly, no. We've been in most of these first quarters. It kind of felt like all the other first quarters. We, I felt it when basically, and he said they made a comeback, but essentially the Kings were 18 down, brought it, got, got it to uh, to within four points, I believe it was. It was a close game. And he said, when we didn't fold, when we stood our ground and made a run of our own, 
that's when I knew this was going to be different. That's when I yeah. felt a difference from the past seven games that we had lost. And so I thought that was a great point. This was a, it, it was a, it was back to the playoff formula from last year, wasn't it? It was make a ton of shots and just play good defense. And that was to me the biggest difference in this game. You can look at the shot, the shot making and the the 38 assists, which is a season high. And you could yeah. you could look at that and be like, wow, the offense is back. I thought the offense basically there, there, there's a lot of things I liked about the offense, but at the end of the day, they made a bunch of shots and the Kings missed a bunch of shots. And that was okay. sort of the story. But I thought Miami's connectivity on defense, you and I did a, the whole show yesterday on sort of film finds. We kind of looked back on some of these, these bad games and said, oh, this team just, they, they're not helping each other. They're slow to rotate. They're slow on help defense. They're slow on closeouts. They were just slow. They weren't playing with force. They were not playing with impact or any sort of urgency or speed. Yeah. And that was the difference tonight. They got guys got blown by. That's going to happen. What happened on the backside of it? There was somebody else sliding back and, and cutting off that little extra uh, few feet that these guys had been getting previously. Yep. The defense overall was just much more connected. It was a lot more zone, which yes. I found was interesting. And I think yes, that was kind of maybe a Bam out. Adebayo led decision there. Bam in conjunction with Eric Spolstra, obviously. Bam was asked, asked about um, the communication on Tuesday after their film session and then was asked point blank by, I think it was Cooper Moorhead. What, what, what scheme defensively are you most comfortable in? And he goes, honestly, the zone, because it forces us to communicate. Mm. And so that, and so it was 99% zone tonight. I thought like Jim Beheim was coaching the team tonight. It was so <laughs> strange. So, uh, but, but effective, effective, but you just don't see NBA teams using zone that much, not even this NBA team which has kind of but it, brought the zone back in vogue. But, yeah. <laughs> the, the Kings kind of, you could tell, at least from the broadcast, it, it, they looked like they were a little confused at times there. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the, the closeouts, the, the way that there was a body there when, when it wasn't expected. But there was just a greater sense of urgency. I think the zone was a huge factor, and I think it really helped mitigate some of the issues we've seen with the switch-heavy defense where a smaller player, say Terry Rozier, or, you know, can you imagine? Th there were possessions like that today where Terry Rozier yeah, had to pick happen. up some bonus or something like that. But for the most part, there was Bam who was able to slide back and provide secondary help. That's, Caleb that was Mark was difference. able to come over. Yeah, zone and or I not. Think and exactly I, I think Spo was asked about it, and he's like, scheme or whatever, and he always downplays scheme even though he's a scheme sure. head. But it's right. uh, the zone helped in all of that stuff. But overall, like they, it's not like they had just – like dusted off the zone. They've been using zone during the seven game losing streak, just not to this degree, yeah. but they've been using it. And that zone stunk. And this zone was good <laughs> because of all the things that you just said, they were connected. They were talking to each other. They were forced to do it. And these are the things that they were pointing out in film. And they're the things that showed up today. I asked several players about it after the game. I was like, did the things you talked about in film show up today? And I was like, yep, it was communication. It was hustling hard. It was playing with urgency with force and all those, those spoisms that he's gotten the entire team to, to get to. Um, a couple of other just box score things that we can kind of riff off of here, but yeah, um, the the Kings took forty three pointers in this game, yeah, and the Heat took twenty eight. The Heat still made one more three pointer than the Kings, <laughs> <laughs> despite that disparity. They made thirteen. Sacramento made twelve. That's crazy. Here's the other crazy thing: you look at the shot chart on this game, and yeah. one of the things that we had been harping on, and I feel like I've really been harping on this a lot is the shot profile. What does Miami's shot chart look like? And has it crossed to the point of uh, just it's it's untenable? How many mid-range shots this team takes and how few rim attacks this team gets? They got they made zero field goals within the restricted area in this game. 
That is insane for a team that shot 50% in a game. I don't know. I would bet you that that has literally never happened in the NBA. That, that doesn't seem right, though. I, I, I mean, so here's they have had point. dunks. Yeah, okay. Well, there weren't dunks. There were no Bam dunks. had a couple of dunks. Yeah. Oh, Bam, Bam had, had one. Okay, way on one. Okay, sorry. The one late. The one. The one that was late was Bam's. Jimmy Bam's, had a dunk, and that was it. But the foul attempts. Miami uh, during this this losing streak was averaging eighteen point seven free throw attempts per game. That was thirtieth in the NBA during that stretch. Tonight they had twenty three. So some of those rim attacks don't show up because they got fouled on those attacks. So they don't show up okay. as field goal attempts on the shot chart. So I think it's a little misleading. But still, this team leaned into the mid range. Uh, at at a 61%, 61% of their field goals are considered mid-range shots. 30% yeah. of their field goals were considered threes. That is a very low number that it, uh, of threes. That is a wildly high number for mid-range shots. But I kind of like that they said, the heck with your analytics, the heck with your rim pressure, the heck with our shot chart. Go out there and just make the shots you feel comfortable making. Take the ones that you want to take. Everybody go get to your sweet spots. But when you do it, do it with force. Do it with, uh, do it quickly, quick decisions. Do it with intent. And I thought they did that. I thought Jimmy Butler really did that more than anybody else, more than he has been doing all season long. That looked like playoff Jimmy tonight in a lot of in a lot of stretches. And then Tyler and Terry did that uh, to a, to a degree too. But they were getting guys involved also, and I'm sure we'll talk about them when we get to our credit cookies. But that I I was shocked when I saw the shot chart at the end of the night. Yeah, I don't know how much I. Again, I, I think some of those shots might not have counted because I'm just even recalling these as we're talking about. It. Like Caleb had a couple shots at the rim, et cetera. So there were, there were shots in the restricted area for whatever reason not listed there, but I, those I can recall. But it didn't a lot feel of them, that I'm way. Sorry, a lot of them, when you actually look at the shot chart, were just outside of the restricted area. So that that's why I was surprised because I was with you. Um but like it's like a foot or a toe out of the restricted area, so it doesn't really count. If I'm gonna okay. really drill down, I was just trying to make a point here. But no, no, I get four percent, fifty-four percent of their shots. So I just didn't. I didn't uh, even feel that way though. Shots. It didn't like, feel it, that it, way, right? Because they were playing no, with force. I, yeah, and I, I think the shot selection didn't seem bad. It, and, and I think a big oh. byproduct of that was the assists are one thing, a nice statistic to kind of monitor that. But at the same time, there was a lot more passing a lot more sharing of the ball than mm-hmm. I think we've seen. No over-dribbling, no stopping of a play. Uh, everybody seemed like where they were just – if you were looking off, you know, trying to get somebody going, finding cutters, a lot of off-ball movement, and a lot of trying to find those kind of seams in the defense. And I think they did a really, really good job of capitalizing on those opportunities and, and getting other guys to get you know yep. better looks and stuff like that. So I think it, it was a really great team effort, even as some guys struggled. I think it was, uh, you know, important for them to kind of just make an impact in other ways, and I think mm-hmm. we saw that from so many different players tonight. That leads us right into—that's my drum roll sound effect. Credit cookies coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. What's Prize Picks? Well, it's just the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers, and you're not battling thousands of other players, including pros or sharks. You pick more than or less than the stat projections on two to six players, and you just watch the winnings roll in. Basketball season's here, and right now you can pick a combo projection across football and basketball. You only got one game left, so maybe that's not going to last for much longer. Okay, what is it? Two o'clock on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, the Miami Heat host the Boston Celtics. Hmm. 
Travis Kelsey's also playing on Sunday in a different sport. He's playing in the Super Bowl. I think, and we always do this ad read, and you're always saying LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey, 10 and a half receptions and points or whatever it is. Yep. Do something, do the parlay between the Travis Kelsey catches, because he's been hot during these playoffs, get like six catches or whatever it is, plus something from that Miami Heat game. I think a big Jimmy Butler game is coming. There you go. I like that. I like that prediction. It's pretty good. Um, and you know, that's what it is. It's just you versus the numbers. And so you have a lot of different chances to win. That's daily fantasy sports made easy. Go to prizepicks.com slash lockdown NBA and use the code lockdown NBA and you get a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. That's prizepicks.com slash lockdown NBA daily fantasy sports made easy. Thanks again for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube. Subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel well, David, it's time. It's winning time. I forgot how to do this. What do I usually? What's the script here? It's another uh, heat win, which means it's time to get in the kitchen and whip up some credit segment. cookies. The tastiest segment of Locked On Heat. That's right. Who are we giving credit yeah. cookies out to today? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, don't I, know. I told you. I, I texted <laughs> you this. I texted you this before the game. I think you know, vulnerable film sessions should get at least half the credit cookies. Right. And. I think it's, you know, kind of jokingly, too, because a lot of people are kind of pointing to that film session. And we'll answer a question about this in the next segment. Yes. But people are t- kind of looking at that as a, you know, a, a big moment for this season. And everything I can't. Like that. I, I, that, that's exactly what I want to talk about. All right. So yeah. we'll, we'll save that. We'll save right, that. Put yeah. a pin in it. But as far as the players today that had an actual impact in it, uh, I've got three uh, credit cookies to Jimmy Butler. I've got three for Josh Richardson. I've got two for Bam and Abaya who struggled early and got into foul trouble and still had a wind up uh, with a really big game. And then one credit cookie for the other starters, Tyler Hero and Terry Rozier. They each stepped up in their own way. I want to talk about Tyler Hero and Terry Rozier first. Uh, Tyler Hero had eight assists. Terry Rozier had 10 assists yep. in this game. Terry Rozier went one for eight from the field, yep. and I don't even care. And he's so deserving of every single one of those credit cookies that you gave him. Congrats to Terry Rozier, your first credit cookies, bud. Wow. <laughs> um, that's a big deal. I forgot to tell him after the game. I'll tell him next time. Um, so I love the playmaking from Terry Rozier and Tyler Hero. We mentioned the 38 assists. 18 of those came from their backcourt. When Tyler Hero talked about what this backcourt could be right after the trade, he mentioned that this team, that, that, that backcourt, the Terry and Tyler duo, could be dynamic. It's the word he used was dynamic in terms of playmaking. They could both play on the ball. They could both play off the ball. This was the vision. They both played on the ball. They both ran pick and roll. Uh, They were staggered a lot in this game, but there were times at the beginning and ends of certain quarters and halves that they were on the court together. But when they were on the court together, they weren't in each other's way. And when they were staggered, there was always a ball handler. And more importantly, there was always somebody for Bam to run pick and roll with. Tyler did it a lot more with Bam than Terry Rozier yes. did, but Terry Rozier did have his moments. Yeah. I I thought it was the best that Tyler Hero has looked in a very long time. Not just from the so so Bam started 0 for 4 from the field. Yeah. Missed all four shots in the first quarter, I believe. Got eight points in the second quarter. 
that was when that lineup that w- when Jimmy Butler's on the bench and it's Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, Caleb, Jaime, and Josh Richardson. They start that second quarter. They kind of come in at the end of the first quarter. They're, they're in there in the second quarter. And Tyler Hero's just feeding them. Pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. Get to your spots, get to your spots. And that's what really got Bam Adebayo going. And then Terry Rozier was able to kind of jump on the, on the uh, and piggyback on that. I thought they were unselfish and were exactly what the Miami Heat needed, making quick decisions, getting guys involved, off the ball, on the ball, making shots when they had to, at least in Tyler Hero's case. I thought both of them were tremendous. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it was a, a really smart game. Um, and, you know, the one of eight shooting for Terry, I know a lot of people will point to that. And I'm starting to see already, unfortunately, some frustration with his role and everything else, the acquisition. And I, I still think he wound up taking good shots. I, a yeah. lot of those looked like they were going to fall. And they were they were pretty poised. They weren't rushed. They were within the flow of the offense. He few, wasn't hijacking few it. shots. Yes, and, and those shots just didn't fall. And, you know, sometimes you live with it. But I like, one, I think the zone defense was able to work as well because of him. Like, he was doing a really good job yes. of of being a body out there in the perimeter and forcing guys to into tougher looks. You know, De'Aaron Fox struggled, and he had a lot of makeable shots. But I, I think Rozier did a pretty good job of kind of just making things yeah. physical for him and challenging him in, in, in a high level. And I think that made things much more difficult for Fox. And then, of course, the playmaking. I, I love. Can we stay on the defense? Because I love that yes. Spo went with Rozier on De'Aaron Fox. Um, and he could have went other ways. He could have went yep. with Haywood Highsmith or something like that. He's like, no. Terry Rozier has been nothing but thrown into the fire since getting into Miami. Still has not gone through a full practice with this team, as a reminder. <laughs> and they're like, hey, this guy is a bona fide all star might make some people's MVP ballots the way that he's playing this season, or maybe earlier, maybe not so much anymore, but yeah. and they're on a four game win streak. Go, go defend this guy. And he did it to your point. So I'm so glad you brought up his defense. My favorite Tyler hero play of the game was um, he, he caught the ball. I can't remember who passed it to him, but he catches it from beyond the three point line. And I think it was Davion Mitchell flies by him. Closeout, strong closeout, great closeout. And usually we see Tyler hero, kind of dance and dribble into a contested mid-range shot from that. Nope. Guy flies by him. He takes off immediately, puts his shoulder down, puts the right shoulder down, gets into the paint, gets uh, puts up a shot, gets to the foul line. I yep. thought little things like that, that's the difference with Tyler. That's, that's what you've been asking for. The catch and shoot stuff is great. Be a three-point shooter. We need more. But also, if you're going to put down, if you're going to put the ball on the floor, don't go into a contested mid-range shot. Don't start dancing and dribbling and all that stuff. Go to the rim. Get a foul call. I know you've been harping on that with him for a long time, and that's yeah. exactly what he did. But let's move on to uh, – who do you want to move on to? We got Jimmy, Josh we got Sam, Josh Okay, yeah. let's do Josh. Yep. Josh, because I think those points were so valuable. I think he had a really good balance game. Big shot, Josh. Good mix of offense and really solid defense, and he just seems more comfortable in this role where he's not playing the backup point guard. Now that they've got Rozier, it's another ball handler. And it's not like Josh wasn't – doing some things to initiate office. He was still bringing the ball up court and stuff like that. But for the most part, he was a catch and shoot option to your point. And I think he knocked down a lot of those shots. There was one possession there late in the game where Sacramento was still kind of hedging their way back. And he takes a three point shot, a wide open look, miss it. I think Jimmy pulled down the rebounds, kicks it back out to Josh. He takes another one, nails it this time. And that's a boost of confidence. I don't think he would have done that earlier in the season. Obviously his shot was struggling. He was going through injury but he just looked really good. It's his best game back this season mm. uh, since he's returned to Miami, and he, he was really, really impactful. Six of 10 from three-point range, 24 total points, 
really big night for him. Uh, big block that elicited a hell of a response from Eric Spolstra after it was initially called the yeah. goaltend. And Spolstra flying off the bench there and, and challenging the call because it was a, a good block by by uh, by Josh there. And, and it was a, a good challenge, too. Yeah. So uh, I really like that play from him. And just a really, really good night overall from Richardson. Eight points in the fourth quarter. Big shot after big shot. Was just uh, had a heat check at one point. He missed it. I'd yeah. love to see it, though. Take your heat check, yeah. man. You deserved it. When you earn it, you get to take it. That's an unwritten rule of basketball. Um, <laughs> I love when Spolster challenges, by the way. That's my yeah. favorite thing. So apparently, so I'm, I'm at the game and I'm watching him and he just loses his mind uh, as soon as he wants to call the challenge. And I'm looking at Twitter and apparently like the broadcast caught his reaction to the to the wrong call to the goaltend there that you were talking about. And yeah. he he loses his mind. My thing is he reacts that way every time he has to challenge it. And you and I were texting back and forth during the game. And I was like, yeah. my favorite thing is when he has to challenge it because he just loses his bleep. He just loses it every time. Like somebody assaulted like one of his kids. Like I don't like he just loses his mind. And uh it's every single time. So I'm glad that the broadcast finally caught it. He just he was right in front of the play. That was the other part yeah. of it too. Like it happened right in front of him. He's like, no, no. He didn't even look towards the bench at all. He's like, Nope, we're challenging that right away. Usually him or any other coach will just kind of look by. He's yeah, like, yeah. hey, like yeah. get a second opinion on this. No, he was like, Nope, we're challenging it right away. Every other coach just reacts normally. Like they almost get like they're frustrated by the wrong call, but they're almost exasperated by the, oh, I got to twirl my finger here and we got to stop the clock and we kind of got to do this. Uh-huh. No, no, no. He's livid. Spoh's livid. And I think it's not even because they got the call wrong. I bet it's because he has to stop the game because he hates yeah. stopping the game. He doesn't want to yeah. stop the game. He does not want to stop playing basketball. That's my that's my guess. What about you? No, I I, I think I, I texted you this. I think he thinks it's like there's something unvirtuous about it. Like mm, it, great it, word. It, relying on and i think i made it up but i i think it's just relying on like a change call like he would rather grit and you know fight his way past the yeah. bad call and just have the refs make that correction on their own without having to go through again the the point of it i mean though he is an elite level twirler you know it's not just like the casual twirl 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 great it's point twirl with purpose twirl with intensity <laughs> twirl. like he's gonna take He's I'm gonna, gonna twirl like I want you to close out and rotate yes. on defense. That's how I'm yes. twirling. What is what is it they love saying? Is the way you do one thing is the way you do everything in that heat locker room? Like right. they, that's they, they love that motto, and, and you know that's the way he is. You know he he doesn't Eric do Spolstra it. Eric he... twirls with purpose. <laughs> Very good. Um, is it time to put the trade talk to bed? I don't know. The trade deadline's still coming up. One win doesn't change the NBA calendar. We'll talk about it next. Speaking of the Super Bowl, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to everyone who celebrates. Over from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That is, that's the air horn. It comes, it comes with every wager placed on FanDuel. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite snacks, and placing some super bets. I don't know. There's just so much to look forward to. Is there a wager, do you think, on like number of mentions of Taylor Swift during the Super yes, Bowl? Yes, 100%. There's also going to be probably, I would bet, seconds that Taylor Swift appears during the broadcast of the game. Okay. okay. Uh, I think the average is somewhere between 23 and 30 seconds, which is why it's yeah. sort of crazy why people are so up in arms like, oh my God, get Taylor Swift off my screen. It's like for 20 seconds to 30 seconds a game, and the game lasts for three hours. The Super Bowl is going to last for four hours because of all the, ha- yes. the halftime stuff, so... Get over it. Relax. Like it's fine. Most of the you know, football not... game isn't 
the football part. It's mostly commercials and other things anyway. Right. Like there are a lot of people, women and men both, who just don't watch football in general, but they'll watch the Super Bowl because it's a party, because it's yeah. commercials, because of the food and everything yes, else. Taylor Swift it's will an, not be the only celebrity they pan to. Relax. Yes, it's an unofficial holiday. I personally love the whole Swift thing. I'm not a Swifty by any stretch. Obviously, you know that. But I, I know you are. Obviously, we talked about that. More Taylor day. Swift. Yeah, more, more Taylor Swift. But I, I just like the whole attention and everything else that it's it's uh, garnering. Good, I think it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's great for the game, you know, expanding the reach. Now there is a, a large swath of people. People finally like, care about football. It was just like <laughs> this kind of third-rate sport. Nobody was really watching the NFL. Now everybody's yeah. flocking to it. They finally paid That's attention right. to Travis Kelsey. It's nice. <laughs> FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or maybe three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, but FanDuel also has bets for which player will score a touchdown. I think Travis Kelsey's a good bet. How many points mm. will be scored? I'm going with a lot. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game and so much more. You customers, join today. You get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on and you can sign up. That's FanDuel dot com slash locked on make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the nfl thanks for making locked on heat your first listen every day make sure you are subscribed on youtube and your favorite podcast app thanks to everybody who sent in questions on twitter using that hashtag ask lo heat you can reach us locked on heat at gmail.com locked on heat is on instagram we're doing fun things on instagram by the way we're uh, putting up clips from the show uh so you can you can stay with us there uh we've got little shorts that we put up clips from interviews with players and coaches um i'm doing like these like little one minute quick recaps after the games when when i go to the arena and that's that's been fun so uh check us out on instagram you can message us there too if you can't find us elsewhere um let's get to these questions we're going to roll through these uh because we're starting to run out of time here Adam writes in, why did we wait so long to have a team meeting where they can clear the air? What do you think? I don't think it was necessary, to be honest with you. I think there was a lot going on, too. That's been a very strange and and packed schedule for them. You know, they lost a couple games, and you wound up having the trade of Kyle Lowry. You're welcoming back Rozier. We just mentioned earlier, you know, he still hasn't gone through a full practice. There's been a lot here. So it's not like they haven't done film session, but I think this was different. I think the seven-game losing streak, just kind of built to a head here. And I think it was just a, a moment where you have to say, you know what? You could look after the first couple of games and say, okay, we screwed up. We'll get back on track. After the third or fourth game, well, you know, we're incorporating Terry. It's still kind of working our way through it. After seven, you're going, all right, clearly something's happening here mm-hmm. and we need to address it. And I think that's fine. It's it's maintaining open lines of communication, being respectful of one another, trying to make each other better on the floor. Those kinds of things were I think the topics that were discussed during that meeting will never get the full details of it. And I think it's being somewhat overblown, but I think it was also incredibly helpful for them to be able to manifest some of the things that they talked about and it led to a victory. I thought you were a writer. I th- I'm mean? very surprised. Yeah, I th- I'm very surprised to, for you to tell me that, uh, to, to hear you say that you think it was overblown and that it's like this unnecessary narrative. We're writers. We need narratives. This is what the whole thing is. We're, if they go on a win streak... I guarantee you several different outlets are going to have some sort of story oh. based on the, 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 the team you know meeting that is? changed everything in this season. This, and this, we this, need that. This is Shane ba- This is Shane Battier with touch the people, you know, yeah. the speech that he gave 
on the bus after the win on Super Bowl Sunday, which is coming up somewhat ironically, mm-hmm. where he gave that speech and it was the first game. What is that? After this that, might after be the 10-year anniversary of that. Uh, no, it was 2012, 12, 13. Yeah, 20, so the, so the 11-year anniversary, close enough. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, so, yeah. Uh, it, it, Touch the people. I, have a meeting. Have a meeting. Uh, I love it. I think I think Be these vulnerable. things do matter. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna downplay it because that's what the Miami Heat do. They downplay it. They downplayed the brawl that we all saw in person. They're like that didn't even happen. I was like I watched it happen. What are you that's talking just Tuesday. about? That's just Tuesday. Right, that's just a Tuesday. I was like, it's not even Tuesday. So I don't even know. Like, I don't. I don't. Whatever. Um, they downplay all of it, and I understand why. Uh, we know what happened in that meeting. We don't know the specifics in terms of like what, who said to who, and all that kind of stuff. But we do know that some players were screwing up. And they got called out that some players weren't doing what they had to do in different aspects of the game. And they got called out. And that's why Bam said it was okay to be vulnerable. And we were accountable and all those things. And I saw better effort on everybody's part tonight. And I think yes. if you have just a film session and you don't do any live action practice, I think Spolster in that way is just saying, listen, enough, we don't the like enough basketball. I can see mm-hmm. with my own eyes. We're screwing up in real time. I'm going to call everybody out. I love that he did it. I thought it was a big deal. Who knows if it's going to turn into a win streak or whatever. I don't know, but I know it's going to be better than what it was because that was some of the worst Miami Heat basketball I've seen played in a very long time. So why did they wait so long? I don't know. I, some of it's just scheduling. Some of it's like we're on the road. Now we're at home and we got a break here. Let's take a, like some of that's that. But the seven-game losing streak is the longest losing streak they've had since the 2008 season. So maybe when when – when you kind of hit rock bottom, that's when you kind of do something drastic and, and just doing a full two-hour film session or however long it was. I'm not reporting on the length of it here, but it was a long one. That That's something drastic. EJ Brooksy writes in, Miami looked smoother on both sides of the ball. Can we put the trade talk to rest? Go ahead. You first on this. I, I don't think we can. I, I think the front office is still going to be looking to make some moves on the perimeter. I don't know what that's going to mean. You've talked about it as a uh, uh, what's the term that you've used uh, a, 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 a you know, to compact things a little bit, uh, oh, yeah. condense. Yeah, I, I think you know there's still there's a glut here. You know, on a game like tonight where everybody's healthy and that's fine and everybody's healthy now for the first time. Well, Duncan Robinson as the yeah, obviously so. Duncan Robinson, but either way, you know, you got. Nikola Jovic is still not playing. You still got yeah. guys that are on the bench that aren't going to get a lot of playing time. If you can somehow package those players for a competent role player that will boost your chances of winning, I An think you still explore those. Yeah, I yeah. think you explore those possibilities. So I think it's still an option for this team. But yeah, I think we should definitely suspend the idea of you know trading Jimmy Butler and things like that. <laughs> those were always overblown to begin with. That that wasn't going to happen. We literally did a whole hypothetical thing just for fun. Okay, yeah. that's we did it yesterday, and it was fun. People were angry. Machine. People were angry with it. I understand, but they got listen to the whole episode. We said this is literally not going to happen, but just let us have fun with the trade machine for a second here. Like we're not going to get the, we're not going to get another chance to fake trade Jimmy Butler. Let's see what we can do. It's fun. That's sports. Get used to it. Um, no, we can't put the trade talk to rest. This trade deadline is still February eighth, and they could still make a move, and they could still make they save some money against luxury tax. They could still save more money against luxury tax. It might be as boring as. Mickey Harrison just trying to save a dollar. That that could be what we're talking about. But I also think that this team is going to look at other upgrades. I still think that they have a need at power forward. I don't yeah, I, sure. I don't know that Haywood Highsmith is the answer there. He's just too small. And he's a very good player, but he's not a power forward, just like Caleb Martin's on a power forward. And he was playing out of position last year. So um, can we put the trade talk to rest? Absolutely not. Sorry, we got 
eight more days. So we'll probably talk about it again. Uh, Barista number 22, unselfish Tyler Hero. We should be talking about this. We already did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he more was, of this. It was, we like this. Do you, do you think he, yes. Do you think he was the player that was called out for doing quote unquote bad things or maybe not playing as yes. effectively as he could? He wasn't the only one, but he was, no. I think he was called out. I think Jimmy Butler was called out. I think Bam Adebayo was called out for not being aggressive enough to get to the back, getting to the rim. I think Caleb Martin was called out for his, his defense. It wasn't as good as it needs to be. I think a lot of guys were called out. I think, and I think Tyler was one of them. I think everybody was. Terry Rozier was probably called out for the after the Phoenix game, even though he just got here because he fell asleep off the ball three times. Everybody got called out. Um, all right, we're running up against it. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your favorite podcast app.